0: the best harmonica player in the building today, named Robert. Good job, Phil. Well, hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, today we are going to continue our theme of Jesus is, and we're going to be dealing with the truth. Jesus is the way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Join me as we pray. Father God, thank you for helping us to know you, for helping us to know your truth. God, for giving us made in your image, yet we chose to walk in disobedience to you and sin, but giving us a way to be forgiven, giving us a way to know you through Jesus Christ, that by faith in him and his death on the cross and the power of his resurrection, we can have hope of eternal life with you. Lord, may this morning be an encouragement to us uh, to be faithful in sharing this truth with others. Lord, even for those who may be here who don't know the truth and are searching, God, that today you would take the scales off their eyes, that you would help them to see you as the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it's nice to have alternate uh, routes to get places, isn't it? Sometimes it's nice to have options. Um, You know, my sister lives on the northwest side of Peoria. From my driveway to her driveway, six miles going through town. And it's good if traffic's moving along, but sometimes it's nice to uh, take the back roads. Adds about four miles onto the trip, but if traffic's slow in town, you can kind of go around or just looking for a nice leisurely way. I think we could all agree that having options in life is good. Just imagine if we didn't have options. Uh, There could be pros and cons, Uh, but uh, we do have options, but with that, comes the responsibility of making sure that we are making the right choices. And that's what I want you guys to uh, get today, is that each and every one of us needs to choose when it comes to Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at what the Bible says about who Christ is, about how we can be saved, uh, how we get to heaven, and we're going to compare it to several well-established world religions uh, to see what other people believe, because not everybody believes the same thing. And, and we live in a world where, uh, you know, the, the phrase, have it your way, uh, goes for more than just hamburgers. Uh, but that's how we want to pattern our lives. We want to be able to choose for ourselves uh, how we live. And so what I want to do today is just uh, make that, that clear. Again, uh, we have options. Options are good. Uh, my son, for example, um, uh, for years, I cut his hair. And uh, the only problem is I only know one way to cut hair, and that's by the buzz cut. And so you can see a picture of him a number of years ago. That's a great haircut. I don't know who wouldn't want that style of hair. It's worked for me. Um, and uh, But as he got older, uh, he wanted options like less cutting, more hair. And... Um, so now I am no longer allowed to go anywhere near his head with clippers because he wants options. Again, I think we could all think of examples in which options are good. The problem is, though, is when we come to the issue of Jesus Christ and who we say Jesus Christ is, and when we come to the issue of how we can have that hope of eternal life, there, there is but only one option. And God has made it so perfectly clear and simple for us. And yet, man, because we have chosen to reject God's truth, we have come up with all these other options. Options that are basically based on what's convenient for us. But Jesus Christ says in John fourteen six, a verse that most of us are familiar with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But I want to look at that passage here a little bit in context. And so John 14, verses 1 through 10. And here Jesus is talking, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus often shared with his disciples the fact that he was going to be handed over to the unbelievers... Uh, He was going to be persecuted, he was going to be put to death, and he was going to rise again. And in the Gospel of Mark, you see that back-to-back-to-back chapters, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. In each chapter, Jesus predicts his death, but also his resurrection. And in each time, the way the disciples respond, it shows that they didn't get it. They didn't understand And here is Jesus says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place. I wouldn't have told you I was leaving if it weren't true, but I'm coming back. And so here again, we have Jesus himself saying there is something more than just this life on earth. And we have to understand that and we have to know more about what he says. But here Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Uh, again, it just a, another example of the fact that, that even those who were closest to Jesus did not fully understand who he was and what he was about to do and what that meant for them. In fact, it wouldn't be until he rose from the dead and appeared before them. And when you read, one of the first things Jesus had to do when he appeared to his disciples was rebuke their unbelief. And so it wasn't even until after that that it was established in their minds, now, now we get it. And here, Thomas, he doesn't get it. Lord, we don't know where you're going. You're going somewhere. How are we supposed to know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Guys, this is amazing. Jesus says, you want to know God? You know him through me. You want to see God? You see him in me. I am the way to the Father. This is where Jesus says, I am the Father and one. This shows God the Son as part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But Philip goes on and, and, and he chimes in and says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. I remember as a child laying in my bed one night, just going through a time in my life trying to uh, comprehend the reality of God. And uh, if you've ever gone through that where, you know, I grew up in in the church in a Christian home, yet I, I still had to, you know, come to grips with what I really believe. And I remember one night saying, God, if you're real, just flicker the lights on and off in my room. Or allow my window shade to just go up and down or something. I remember asking him, you know, just speak so I can hear your audible voice. And probably if any of those things had happened, my heart would have stopped and I wouldn't be here today. Um, but, uh, but he never did. Uh, and yet he, he, he said, I'm going to show you that I'm real, despite you thinking I need to do all these magic things. Philip says, Lord, just show us, God, that'll be good enough. They had no idea that they were standing in the presence of God the Son right there. And Jesus says, I'm all you need. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Jesus says, you don't need to look any further. God the Father has sent me to be a manifestation of himself so that you can know him. You can know the truth. And through that truth, you can have life because I am gone and I am preparing that place for you. Folks, today I want to accomplish two things. I want to make sure that we understand um, what we believe about who Jesus Christ is and our eternal state. Uh, eternity is real. Uh, there is more to this life than just this life. There is something beyond, and, and we need to make sure that we understand what we believe about that. Our acceptance and submission to this, this statement of Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it is a vital part of our biblical worldview. What we believe about this will determine everything else that we believe. Second, as I said before, I want to compare biblical Christianity to several well-established world religions, world religions that that are alive and active in central Illinois um, to see what other people believe. Now, as I've taught on this before, I've had people misunderstand my heart. I just want to Quickly clarify just a couple things. First of all, uh, in no way am I in claiming that, that Jesus is is just one of many options. I, I stand here unashamedly to say that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and there is no other way to the Father. Um, but but there 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 are people who like the buffet approach. And by looking at me, you know, I love a good buffet. But the beauty of it is that you have different things and you just pick and choose what you like. It's not like when mom puts the plate in front of you and says, that's what's for dinner. That's what you're going to eat. But you get this, why? I like a little of this, little of that. I'm not here to be an equal opportunity preacher. I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't want uh, anyone to be confused about that. I, I, when we were living in Massachusetts a number of years ago, we visited five churches before we found one that actually preached from the word of God. And and, and if you're visiting today, I don't want you to misunderstand or think, well, what, what's he doing here? I'm preaching the gospel. And uh, I do it unashamedly. <laughs> Second of all, by examining other religions, uh, it's not an attempt to slander or to criticize. But the reality is, is, is that Jesus came to bring a sword. He came to divide belief versus unbelief. And so Jesus Christ is going to force each and every one of us to make a choice. But by looking at these other religions, uh, we do so under the premise of being able to use and understand what they believe to show them the truth of the gospel. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 26, He says, and the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room, listen, the world will know you by your love for one another. And Jesus, as he modeled love and compassion to those who are in need, folks, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to engage others with that same love and compassion. So today is not a day to make these other people look bad or foolish. It's simply to present the facts and you will have to choose. Many of us have already chosen and today might be an opportunity for us to just learn how we can engage people of these beliefs to share Jesus Christ with them, but it's not an attempt, again, to slander them. And and third, to be cautious as we study other belief systems. I had a professor in, in Bible college that said, for every hour you read about another belief system, you need to spend at least three hours in the word and in prayer to make sure that you don't get misled. I'm not saying that's the magic formula, but I think there's some truth to that because we do have to be careful. We see examples in scripture about how early Christians um, who started their journey with the knowledge of Jesus Christ uh, were, were led astray by false doctrines. And, and in our, our world, it, it's very, very prevalent and very strong. And we need to make sure that we are grounded in that. I just wanna read uh, three quick verses to you uh, that remind us, that give us warnings about making sure that we are not led astray. In Second Chronicles twenty-one eleven, it says, "He, meaning Jehoram, who was king of Judah. This was during the time of Israel and Judah, the divided kingdom, had also built high places on the hills of Judah, and had caused the people of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves, and had led Judah astray." Here was the king leading the people of God away from right worship. 2 Corinthians eleven three, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And also in chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, it says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end shall be according to their deeds. As we look at some of these other religions and belief systems, folks, you will see things that sound like biblical truth. And there's a reason for that, because original truth came from God. God is the author of truth. But through sin and the distortion of God's truth, uh, man has... Uh, taken it and followed it in so many different directions, yet oftentimes you can see things that sound similar. And you'll see people who believe these other things that say, well, we still believe the Bible, we read the Bible, and, and we believe in Jesus, and we believe in God. But again, we must be cautious because Satan is so clever and so subtle in the lies that he tells us to lure us away thinking we're following God's truth but we're really following a trail. And before we know it, we're like the child in the woods who turns and says, I'm lost, where am I? How do I get home? And so again, I want to, first of all, start by looking at biblical Christianity and we're gonna look at what they say or what they believe about who Jesus is and then how to get to heaven, what happens after this life. And so also one other thing, uh, there's there if you go to the website of Riverside, uh, There'll they'll be uh, something that, that you can print out, a handout to have. It's a good uh, just study tool to have. Uh, it's a biblical response to what other religions teach about Jesus. And we'll have some of the things that we'll talk about today, but it will have scripture to reproof those beliefs. So that you, if you're ever engaged in a conversation with someone who believes some of these things about Jesus or how to get to heaven, you have scripture uh, to take them to, to help them see the truth of Jesus Christ. So there's a tool for you uh, that you can get on the website as well. But biblical Christianity, who is Jesus? Well, this is what I believe. This is what the Bible, I believe, teaches. And I hope you are in agreement with this. Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity as god the son he has always existed and was never created and we see this in john 1 in the opening five verses we see jesus being established as god in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god word there referring logos the living word jesus christ he was not created He is fully God and fully man, the two natures joined, not mixed, but joined. As the second person of the Trinity, he is co-equal with God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. In becoming man, he was begotten through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is the only way to the Father, salvation and eternal life. He died on the cross according to God's plan. That was God's plan as a substitutionary sacrifice and as full payment for our sins. No other sacrifice is needed. No other work is needed for our salvation. It was done in full when Christ said, it is finished, and he hung his head on the cross. He rose from the dead on the third day, spiritually and physically, immortal. For the following four days, he was seen by over 500 witnesses. That is so important that the resurrected Jesus was seen by people who can testify. I was there, I saw him. His wounds were touched. He said, go ahead, you still don't believe, put your hand in the hole, feel my side. He ate food and then he physically ascended to heaven, which again was witnessed by his followers. And Jesus will come again visibly and physically at the end of the world to judge the world. What the Bible teaches about how we are to be saved, salvation is by God's grace, not an individual's good works. Folks, we couldn't live long enough to do enough good works to pay for our own sin. Salvation must be received by faith, which sounds simple, but we humans, we complicate that so much. People must believe in their heart that Jesus died for their sins and physically rose again, which is the assurance of forgiveness and resurrection of the body. And this is God's loving plan to forgive a sinful people. Again, out of God's love, He has provided His Son to be the sacrifice so that we can know the way to the Father, which is through Jesus Christ. But again, Jesus refers to it as going through the narrow gate. And if you've ever been in a crowd and the crowd's trying to get through a small opening or when you're in traffic and they close it down to one lane, don't you hate that? Seems like it takes forever. You wish you had an alternate route, don't you? So that's why we get on our GPS, redirect. And that's what so many people have done. They've they've said, okay, God, so you say this is your way of how to get to heaven. This is who you say Jesus Christ is. But that doesn't fit with my taste. That doesn't fit with my personality, with my needs. I want to find my own way, one that is more conducive for me. And so the first religion that we're going to look at is Mormonism. And Mormonism, which was founded by Joseph Smith back in the 1800s, It's known as the Church of Latter-day Saints. Again, it's alive and well in Peoria. They have missionaries. You might see them throughout town. Maybe they've come to your door. They're aggressive. They're loving. They are so friendly. If you've ever talked with one, they are so compassionate and willing to take the time. But what they believe is not the true truth. Their headquarters are in Salt Lake City. Let's look at who they say Jesus is. The Mormon Jesus is a separate God from the Father. And there's that name Elohim, which uh, we, we would say, well, we, we, we agree that that is a name for God. Uh, we see that in the Old Testament, although uh, if you were to ask a Mormon, they would, they would say, well, that, that name does mean God. It's a, a resurrected being from another planet who through eternal progression became a God, a God of this planet, our God, the God of Earth. He was created as a spirit child by the Father and Mother in heaven and is the elder brother of all men and spirit beings. Mormons go on to say this about who Jesus is. His body was created through sexual union between Elohim and Mary. And again, you know, there there is nothing in Scripture that alludes to that. We call it, uh, um, you know, the virgin birth. But here they believe that it was through this physical relationship that God and Mary had. They believe Jesus was married. Now, I should say not all Mormons believe in the, uh, that physical relationship. There's actually debate within the Mormon church. Uh, some who believe that, some who don't. Um, I want to read a quote from a Mormon apostle. Uh, his name is Bruce McConkie from the Mormon doctrine back in 1966. He says, Christ was begotten By an immortal father In the same way that mortal men Are begotten by mortal fathers And so again within this religion There is that belief of that Physical union between God and Mary His death on the cross does not provide Full atonement for all sin But does provide everyone with resurrection And that's something that When you look at other religions You you see this concept of resurrection this, This you know having this life after death But again, what they believe that life entails and how you achieve that um, varies from belief to belief. Mormons believe this about how to be saved. There's no eternal life without Mormon church membership. People are resurrected by grace, but saved or exalted to godhood, notice that godhood, and eternal life by works, which include faithfulness to church leaders. I love you, Andy. Mormon baptism, tithing, ordination, marriage, and secret temple rituals. What happens after death? Eventually, every, nearly everyone goes to one of three separate heavenly kingdoms with some achieving godhood. Uh, apostates and murderers go to a place called outer darkness. Let's look now at Jehovah's Witnesses. The founder, Charles Russell, later Joseph Rutherford, again back in the 1800s, uh, began in 1879 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Their headquarters are in Brooklyn, New York. I remember having being on a mission trip and driving over the Brooklyn Bridge and you see the great giant watchtower building right there. Again, these people, they're alive, they're active. They're aggressively um, selling their religion in Peoria. They are going out, they're being faithful to share what they believe the truth is about Jesus Christ and how to get to heaven. All the more reason for us to be active in sharing our faith. But who they believe Jesus is, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, is not God. Before he lived on earth, he was Michael, the archangel. He simply had a name change. Just like Jacob later was called Israel, like Simon was called Peter. Um, Jehovah made the universe through him. On earth, he was a man who just lived a perfect life. This past week, I had a chance to talk with two Jehovah's Witness missionaries. And they were incredibly friendly. Again, these, these people, they're, they're loving. I believe if I had had a need and asked that they could help, they would have been more than willing to do that for me. But I said, I'm not here to debate or, or argue. I just simply want to confirm what I, I think you believe about Jesus Christ. And they, they believe that he was a creation of God, not, not God himself. They don't believe in the Trinity some of the other things that they believe that you might be familiar with. He didn't die on a cross, but a, a stake. He was resurrected at a spirit. He's not coming again. He's already returned invisibly in 1914 in spirit. And very soon, he and the angels will destroy all non-Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and how did they come to that year of you know, nine, 1914? When you study Daniel and Revelation, uh, you uh, see... Uh, the, the seven seventy sevens this, this time period about end time prophecy, and, and they, they say, well, it started back in 605 BC when Babylon uh, destroyed Jerusalem, and, and, and so 1914 is when uh, Jesus uh, begins as, as king of this world, and it's the beginning of the last days. So that's how they get that. How to be saved, be baptized as a Jehovah's Witness. Most followers uh, must earn everlasting life on earth by door to door. We see that greatly, a works-based salvation. So you have to work to earn. Salvation is in heaven is limited to 144,000 anointed one. Many uh, Jehovah's Witnesses say this number has already been reached. In fact, the man I was talking to says, I know I'm not one of those. They would say uh, anyone who died before Jesus Christ died on the cross, so Abraham, Joseph, even John the Baptist, they would not be part of that. Uh, And those 144 would spend eternity in heaven. The rest will, you know, spend eternity on the new earth, worshiping God from down here. But again, he himself says, oh, I know I'm not one of those chosen. He'll settle for just living the new earth. Let's look at Islam, and I know our time is short and we're going through these quickly, but um, Islam, this is a, a, a very intimidating religion for a lot of us, especially over the events of the last decade or so. Uh, a, a lot of times we, we just have a, a fear or intimidation, uh, but Islam is strong in Puria. They have schools, they have churches, um, started by Muhammad, uh, the prophet, Uh, Let's look at what they say about Jesus Christ. According to Islam, Jesus was sinless and a great miracle worker. He was a well-respected prophet sent by Allah or God, but not the Son of God. He was one of many. Now, they would believe Muhammad is the greatest and final and last prophet to bring the complete true truth of God to earth. He was not crucified. He ascended to heaven without dying. He's referred to as the Messiah or the Ayatollah, which, you know, Means basically the sign of God. Jesus, not Muhammad, will return. They actually believe Jesus will return, not Muhammad, and play a special role in the future judgment day, perhaps in turning Christians into Muslims. How to be saved in Islam. Basically, Muslims believe that at the end of their life, their deeds will be weighed. Imagine a scale on one side, your good deeds on the other side, your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad, then you'll go to heaven. If your bad deeds outweigh your good, then you will not. But they have a, they have a, a, a problem. Uh, it, Muslims have 99 beautiful names for God and they, they often daily devout Muslims will recite these names uh, every day. But one of the names that they have for God is El Macker, which means the schemer. And they would say, God is the greatest schemer. And they believe that even on judgment day, even if their scale tips to good, God can change his mind and still condemn that Muslim to hell. And and folks, I just don't understand where the hope is, but that's where we knowing the truth and saying your works, they're irrelevant outside of your faith in Jesus Christ and your works will be what they need to be out of a love relationship for God. But your works alone aren't going to get you to heaven. And so there, there is, again, great opportunity, folks, as we look at some of these religions, great opportunity to share the truth of Jesus Christ. The, the, these people are um, often unfulfilled. Uh, many of them would, would, would stand here and they would love to debate and say, no, we, we think you are wrong, Christian, Christian. Uh, they would even refer to themselves as Christians, and, and so again, that 's where, by living our lives and displaying love and compassion, as I read from Second Timothy, uh, that through our actions that the truth of the gospel might be heard louder and more clearer by how we live. Well, again, Islam, what happens after death? They also believe in the resurrection of the body. Uh, fear of eternal torment is prevalent uh, in the Quran. Paradise, again, for Muslims would say heaven is just for men. Uh, and it's a, a, a place of, of beauty and fantasy populated by maidens designed by Allah to provide sexual pleasure to righteous men. I, again, as, as you see this, I hope you can clearly see the, the distinction between what Scripture teaches about heaven than what some of these other beliefs have to say. The last one I want to look at very, very quickly is the Church of Scientology. I remember as a kid seeing those Dianetic commercials with the erupting volcano right in the middle of Gilligan's Island. And I had no idea what it was as a kid. It was just a commercial with a neat volcano. Uh, But as I got older, I I learned a little bit more about it. The founder, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, in the 1950s out in Los Angeles, California, California. Uh, what they believe about Jesus, he's rarely mentioned in science, Scientology. doesn't really have a place. He was not the creator. He did not reach the level of what they believe in their, their religion to be an operating thetan, someone who is uh, in control of supernatural powers and cleared from mental defects. There's, there's a, a big emphasis in this, this religion about, about just clearing your mind of all things negative and, and working on positive Again, the power of positive thinking. So, Jesus, he, he did not die for our sins. In fact, uh, they would say that there really is no sin, so there's no need to repent. Now, on that one statement alone, that one belief, I can see why some would say, maybe that's for me. If there was no sin, that I wouldn't have to worry about these, these convictions and the guilt that I feel. I wouldn't have to be worried about whether I've done something wrong because I don't have to worry. It removes the responsibility, which is why, to so many, this type of belief is so appealing. Salvation is freedom from re- reincarnation, having to go back and live life after life until you finally get it right. One must work out his engrams or hang-ups in the form of uh, mental image pictures uh, with uh, an auditor, a spirit, spiritual guide, to help achieve the state of clear. Again, just having your mind clear of all things negative. If we can think it away, then it doesn't exist. Wouldn't it be nice? Boy, how much thinner I'd be if I could just think myself thin. Although I'm looking forward to lunch here in a minute, so. (laughs) Then progress up the bridge of total freedom. Hell is a myth. People who get clear of these Engrams progress up the bridge of total freedom to become one of these operating thetans having a state of complete spiritual freedom, having control over matter, energy, space, and time. Folks, I I hope some of these things are so blatantly clear to you that they contradict what the Bible teaches about who Jesus Christ is, how we get to heaven, how we are saved. But the reality is, is that we have to choose. See, when God created man, when Adam took his first breath, he was already created intelligently by an intelligent designer, God. And he was created with three unique features, the ability to think and reason, the ability to know right from wrong, and the ability to choose. And folks, you and I have those same abilities. And from the time we're small children, we, we exercise, we choose to crawl here or crawl there. We are taught and we determine what is right and what is wrong, and we make choices. And that's what it comes down to for us today. We have to make a choice. Who do you believe Jesus Christ is? What do you believe about the Son of God? Do you believe that He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life? Are you willing to say, I'll go through the narrow gate because I believe it's the truth and I want to stand before God one day, holy and righteous? Or are we willing to say, you know, it's too constricting? It doesn't give me enough options. It's not convenient. Some of it is, but not all of it. Folks, before you leave today, I I hope that you know in your heart of hearts what you believe about Jesus Christ. And if today you need to make that step of saying, no, today I want to know the way, the truth, and the life, and ask Jesus into your heart, we would love to pray with you. But maybe today you need to leave here saying, you know, I need to not be afraid. To engage people, people I know, people that maybe are close to me, people I work with that I know don't believe what the Bible teaches. And I need to be willing to lovingly learn a little bit about what they believe in hopes of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with them. That is my prayer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. It comes down to a matter of surrender. I surrender to the truth. Of the scripture to the truth of Jesus Christ. I hope you have or will surrender and know that truth in your heart. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for loving us, for loving sinful man so much that you would send yourself, in the form of your Son, to die on the cross and be raised from the grave so that we could have the hope of eternal life, that we don't have to worry about trying to work hard enough. Father, that we don't have to get pulled uh, astray by the different lies and philosophies and beliefs, but that we can know the truth and live by the truth. That is my prayer for each one here this morning, that we would surrender ourselves to you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.